We're going to continue. This is week four on the series, The Believer's Authority. We are still talking about the foundation. I can't seem to get away from this. The foundation of our authority. God's original plan for mankind was to give man sovereign authority. The, the word in the Hebrew language is dominion. It means the right and the power to govern and control. God told man, he told Adam and Eve, you have dominion over everything on the earth, over all the earth, and you subdue it. That means you conquer it and you keep it from ever resisting you, right? Why? Because Satan was here and, and God, God set everything up. He gave everything to man so that Satan would be a non-issue in their lives, Satan is to be a non-issue in your life. Oh, he's going to come, and he's going to try to steal, kill, and destroy. You're going to have storms in life. You know, when you, read the, when you read in the Bible about David killing a lion and a bear, right? And then even face Goliath. Well, guess what? You're going to face a lion. You're going to face a bear in your life. You're going to face Goliath, something that looks a lot bigger than you. Right? When, when we talk about Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, you know, I, I'd love to tell you you're not, but you're going to go into a fiery furnace. Right? You're, you're going you're gonna to go into these things. But they are not, I mean, they are not there to have a zero residual in your life. So we study the authority of the believer that if Satan is operating illegally in your life and your health and your finances, you know now who I am in Christ and the authority I have. I can stand up in the name of Jesus and speak to that mountain and command it to get out of my body, get out of my life, right? I have authority. I can believe God for supernatural protection for me and my family, right? Supernatural provision. We are a final day's church, I mean, all hell is breaking loose in the earth. I think, you know, I think we could all say that. But guess what? All heaven is breaking out even more. Right? And when the enemy comes in, like that outlaw that he is, the Spirit of God will raise up a standard and stop him. That, that word standard, it literally is a banner. And what is that banner? It is you speaking the Word of God out of your mouth that God is stirring on the inside of you, and it causes the, the enemy to, res, to flee from you, as in terror. You submit your life to God, resist the devil, and he flees. You have been given authority. So we see that man gave up that authority in the garden. You'll learn about authority. You can't have authority over something that you're yielding to. That's why as a believer... Don't yield your tongue to the enemy. Because when you yield your tongue to the enemy and start speaking circumstances, speaking what you're seeing, what you're feeling, what you're hearing, instead of speaking the word, it's going to be impossible for you to use the name of Jesus. Right? Because here's the bottom line. Matthew chapter 28 is very clear. When Jesus came out of that grave, in Matthew chapter 28, he said, listen... All authority in heaven and on earth has now been given to me. He even has the keys of death and hell, right? All authority. That means Satan has no authority. And then he said in verse 19, now you go in my name, right? So in other words, the name of Jesus has within it everything that Jesus is, when you speak his name, it's exactly the same as if he is here. Why? Because he is the head and you are the body of Christ. Does that make sense? So this is why we teach this. This is very important for you to get revelation knowledge because see, these things, you could quote the scripture and if you've sat in church long enough, you don't even have to memorize some of these things. You hear them preach so much under the anointing, they go right into you, and you could quote the scripture, but until you see it and walk in the revelation of it, you won't be able to walk in it. 
right? And God wants you to walk in authority. No longer begging God to move. No, no, he already moved. Now, in him, you live and move and have your being. Now you don't speak to God about your mountain. You speak to the mountain about your God in the name of Jesus, and it moves. You call in. If you're not the head in your career or in what God has you doing for a job, no matter what it is, if you're not the head, then you speak and command it to happen. And God will perform that in your life. Psalm 5.12, his favor will crown you as with a shield. The favor of God will bring everything to you, right? You, he will open doors that no man can close. How does he do that? Because you speak under the unction of the Holy Spirit and you say, door in the name of Jesus, you open, right? Or if there's a door open in your life that's not of him, you say, door in the name of Jesus, you close, Right? Because there's no access to my life. So this is why we teach these things. So, so very important. So man transferred this authority to Satan in the garden when he yielded to Satan's thoughts, yielded to what Satan wanted, and he ate of that fruit. He, he literally violated the law of God, and it brought spiritual death into the earth. You know, Pastor Dave does a phenomenal job when he talks about giving and tithes and offerings. I mean, think about how important is the tithe. Literally, you touching and using what God says don't touch and use, it brought death into this realm. I mean, do you realize literally the, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil was the tithe? God said you could have all this, but that, that's mine. You don't, you don't eat of this one. Eating it brought spiritual death on mankind. Then Cain and Abel are bringing their tithes to the Lord. And do you realize because Cain did not do it the way God said, he didn't bring God his first and his best, so he chose not to tithe, it was the first murder on this planet. I mean, this is how important these things are. So as you walk with the Lord, unforgiveness, look at Mark chapter 11. I mean, the Bible gives the most concise, right out of the mouth of Jesus, concise teaching on the operation of faith. It talks about how you deal with all the things that come against you. Mark eleven twenty three. 23, you speak to the mountain. It talks about how you receive everything from God. Mark eleven twenty four. Right, what, whatsoever things you desire when you pray, believe you receive them and you'll have them, but then you keep going. Verse 25, and when you stand praying, forgive. If you have anything against anyone, that your Father also in heaven may forgive you your trespasses. This is massive. It tells me that unforgiveness is the number one hindrance to the operation of the faith of God. So here, let me, let me introduce you. Here's the number one person you're going to have to forgive. doesn't matter how bad you've been hurt in life by other people, the number one person you're going to have to forgive is yourself. You're going to have to forgive yourself for stupid things you did or whatever. And, and here's the thing, many times it's smoke and mirrors because Satan will always turn everything to where it's your fault right? Do you know children that are sexually abused, they will grow up and eventually they will think it's their fault. Are you kidding me? Right? He's an accuser, right? You have people, crazy stuff. I mean, in, 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 in when, you, when you deal with people in marriage problems, man, you'll have a story where the husband's like, yeah, my wife beats me, locks me in a closet, and, 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 and just talking about all that stuff, and you find out later, guess what? No, no, the husband was beating the wife and locking her in a closet. Why? Because he's an accuser. He's always accusing, right? So we got to know our authority because Jesus, in redemption, 
got everything back and more that the enemy stole. And now he operates as an outlaw on this earth. You operate legally in the word of God, by the spirit of God, under the anointing of God, in the strength of God, in the love of God, right? You operate in him and you could keep him at bay in your life. So make a commitment to yourself if anything in your life does not look like what the Word of God says, you take the Word of God, get it in your heart, get revelation knowledge of it, and then speak it out of your mouth and watch God perform that and change it in your life. It doesn't take years to get healed. You believe you receive and you will have. And man, if those symptoms stay there, listen, Jesus never gave a time frame. Don't be moved by that. Right? My wife and I, we were talking about today how everything, well, I, I made this statement to her. Last night, the Lord talked to me and he goes, there is a vast difference, Tony, that what has happened in my children versus what is happening on the outside of them right now. There's a vast difference between what has happened in you as a child of God and what may be happening on the outside of you right now. And you could say, well, sickness and disease, that's in my body. Yeah, but that's on the outside of you. You're not a body. As a matter of fact, that body that you're in belongs to Jesus. It belongs to God. So that sickness or disease or pain or degeneration that Satan is bringing, he's coming directly against God. So Father, I just believe that I receive my healing in my body, which belongs to you, by the way. Right? So I'm opening the door. Do you think Satan's going to want to stick around very long with that? No. He still has a lump on his head when he decided he wanted to be God in heaven. So in Ephesians, we went through this big time. In Ephesians chapter 1, in verse 19 through verse 23, it talks about when Jesus ascended into heaven, he transferred his authority to the church on the earth, which is his body. Okay, go back and listen to those messages, and it will make that very clear to you. We have been given authority in the name of Jesus, and we have been given power in the person of the Holy Spirit who lives within us and who is upon us if we've received the baptism of the Holy Spirit, right? And again, let me make it real clear to you, if you have not received the baptism of the Holy Spirit with evidence of speaking in tongues, you are operating on a lot less. And you are violating the commandment of your Lord, which we would call sin. Oh, what? Pastor, are you saying that I'm in sin if I don't believe in that Holy Spirit stuff? Yes. Man, we could give you books that went verses after verse after verse after verse after verse that tells you the importance of that. I, as your pastor, I'm sitting, I, I can tell you, you need him. Amen. You need, I mean, the Holy Spirit's on the inside of you if you're born again. And man, thank God for that. Amen. He'll help you all he can, but you need power. And that power comes when he comes upon you. Jesus did no miracles until the Holy Spirit came upon him. He lived on this earth as a man anointed by God, Right? So then we jump to Ephesians chapter 2. We went very much in detail in this. Verses 1 through verse 6, and we found out the source of our authority is found in the resurrection and the exalting of Jesus Christ by God the Father. God the Father raised Jesus from the dead and seated him, exalted him. He is at the right hand of God, exalted far above all principality and power. He has the highest seat of authority, and then we found out we have been seated in him there. 
So in other words, in order to operate in your authority that you've been given, that delegated authority, you got to know where you're seated. As I'm ministering today, I mean, I feel explosions going off on the inside of me because I'm not ministering from the earth. I'm ministering from my position in Christ. I'm on the earth, but I'm ministering through that. As I live my life, as I'm, a, as I'm a husband, as I'm a father, as I'm a grandfather, as I'm a pastor, everything I do, I minister and I live and move and have my being from that position. So Satan, don't mess with me because I know where I'm seated. Well, yeah, but you're a pastor. has nothing to do with it. You have the same authority. You're seated in the same place. Isn't that amazing? God desires that our spirit be open to these things. See, you'll never understand the authority of the believer with your intellect. You must renew your mind to this. You must receive spiritual revelation of this. How does that come? You meditate in these scriptures. You get your Bible and you sit there and you read these and you just start speaking them over and over and over again. And all of a sudden, the Holy Spirit will start opening this up to you and you'll receive revelation of your authority. And so when you get, when you get attacked, you will completely go, you'll go on the offense. We're talking on Wednesday night about, you know, how to be about spiritual strength, how to develop that. And we've been talking about being strong in the Lord, being continually strengthened inwardly in him, allowing that armor to manifest upon us so that we can stand against the wiles of the devil. We never run from Satan. We never run from anything. So many charismatic Christians, man, the minute it starts getting hard or the minute it gets uncomfortable or for just... They're so carnal that they just got to have change, right? That, that all of a sudden, everybody is one God told me away from going and doing whatever they want to do. And man, don't get that in your mouth. If you ever say, God told me to do this, and you find out it wasn't him, you need to go to him and say, hey, I repent of that. That was not you, that was me. Go to the people you've told, hey, I told you that God told me. No, 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 that was me. That was pizza, right? Don't, don't play those spiritual games because Satan's playing for keeps. Now, I know I, this message was not to be this intense, but anyway, this is, so, this is life and death for you and for your children. See, you must believe this by faith. You must partake of the authority that Christ's throne represents. You've got to partake of it. So let's look at something. Go to 1 Corinthians chapter 12. We're going to jump off here. 1 Corinthians 12, we're going to look at verse 12. So the act of God that raised Jesus from the dead also raised his body, the church. Okay? This is a very important piece of understanding your authority. That when God the Father raised Jesus from the dead, he raised his body from the dead, which is you and I, the church. We are seated with him. So 1 Corinthians 12, 12, it says, For as the body talking about the body of Christ, is one. Do you realize that you are one with your brothers and sisters? So if you have something against your brother or your sister, guess who you're opposing? You're opposing yourself. This is why in marriage, wow, you better keep peace in your home, get over yourself, be pliable, be willing, right? Because you don't want to oppose yourself. For as the body is one and hath many members, and all the members of that one body, being many, are still one body. This body you're looking at of mine, it has a lot of different parts to it. 
a lot, but it's still one body, right? I mean, I'm so glad I have a left foot, because otherwise I wouldn't be walking around here preaching. I'd probably be have to sit down, right? There's not one part of my body that I would really ever want to give up. Now, you know, I'm really working on the whole shrinking the fat cells thing, right? I'm, I'm working on that deal. I'm also working on the building of some more muscle fibers, but I don't want to give up any parts of my body, right? So it says here, being many are one body, so also is Christ. So it's comparing Christ to your physical body. There's many parts to Christ's body, but it's still one body. For the body, verse 14, check this out, for the body is not one member, but many. Do you know this church service today, do you know how many moving pieces it takes to make this happen? We would never have the excellence that we have here without all of the people volunteering their time and doing it as unto the Lord, right? And, and it, it's so important what's happening here. Do you know Jesus is here this morning according to the book of Revelation? Those first three chapters are the ones that really we need to focus on as a church because that deals with us. Chapter 4 on, we're out of here, and it deals with this time period on the earth that's going to happen. But it says in those three chapters over and over again that Jesus is walking around in every area of this church right now looking at the hearts of how people are serving. He has firsthand knowledge. He's watching how the babies are being ministered to, how the toddlers are being ministered to. He's watching the attitudes of every children's worker of every pastor, of every usher, uh, right? So if you have an attitude less than what an honor it is, you're not understanding the body. If you're not involved in anything in your local church, then you are losing a revelation that you are part of a body. This is why, how important is it to do something in your local church? of utmost important because you will play the way you practice. You got it. These things are so important. When you realize, man, I need to get, you know, Pastor Dave does a great job where he talks about, man, you got to get planted where God wants you planted. But when you get planted there, you become a viable part of that. You invest your time. You invest your talent. Why? Because this building and everything we do here becomes a tool in the hand of God to reach people. Amen. And do you know our church here in Omaha, although we're growing, do you know how many people we're reaching? Yes. I mean, everywhere. It's amazing. Do you know there are pastors in other countries that live on these messages? It's like they're in Bible school. And they go out and they teach and they pastor churches much larger than this and they're starting tons of churches. So everything we're doing here is reaching. Do you know when people drive by here or when people walk through our property dropping these little bottles of, of liquor everywhere? Do you know that's okay? Come on. Because as you walk through this property, the Holy Spirit will talk to you and go, yeah, you should check that out. You should go there. Because, I mean, there's life in this place. Amen. Why? Because he's here. Amen. Right? So this is so important. For the body, verse 14, is not one member but many. And then he says in verse 27, he closes this thought. He says, now you are the body of Christ and members in particular. Do you realize when you go out tomorrow, this afternoon, wherever you go, when you go to work, when you go to your place of business or whatever, it is to speak. Everything you do, it's a form of worship, right? If you own a business, let your business speak. Everything about you is to be a light in this world. You are the body of Christ. You're the hands, you're the mouth, right? So this is why prayer is so important. Man, don't try to fix everybody. Just invite God into their lives in your prayer closet and let God go to work in their lives. 
right? This is so important. Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's keep going with this. 1 Corinthians chapter 6, in verse 17, it says this. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. What? Are you joined to the Lord today? Do you realize you're one spirit with him? So what that means is you can't tell where you end and he begins. Now, God wants you to live that way. He wants you to live, like when Philip came and said, Jesus, just show us the Father and it'll be enough for us. And he's like, Philip, have you been so long with me and you're saying, show me the Father? He goes, Philip, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. That's the way we're to live. We're to literally go, listen, if you've seen me, Mike, you've seen Jesus. I mean, one of the statements I'm making all the time, I never pray, Lord, anoint me so that I could really minister effectively to your people. No, I pray, Father, right now I thank you for that anointing within me, that anointing upon me. I ask that you would stir and increase that, that you may minister through me unhindered. Right? This is how we work. This is how we live. But he that is joined unto the Lord is one spirit. Look at verse 19. What? The Holy Spirit's going, what? Know ye not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own? Paul was telling the church at Corinth, and man, I could rock your world by going into that church. That, that society in Corinth, I'm so glad I wasn't the pastor of the church at Corinth. Although now I have a feeling I might know a little bit before Jesus comes back, unless he comes back real soon, of what that would be like. I mean, all the stuff in that city that these people dealt with. Every one of those church people that got saved would have had a sexual addiction. I mean, everyone. You walk down the street, there's all, I mean, it was everywhere. All kinds of crazy stuff, all these temples, all this stuff. What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost? I could go into what the people in the church at Corinth, the fights that they had with doing things with their body, both in behavior and different things. And Paul was dealing with it. He's like, guys, here's the thing. You have to look at your body as the temple of the Holy Ghost. Right? So man, you know, when you get up in the morning, I got to talk to guys. When you get up in the morning, guys, brush the teeth of the temple. Right? Comb the hair. Maybe even use some hair gel. I don't know. For some of you, shave the head. I mean, Mark Mason spends no money on hair gel, right? But he's always well-groomed. Why? Because it's the temple, right? You, you, you want to do that. You got to look at this, these things correctly. Why? Because this is a key to authority. You, everywhere you go, are representing Jesus to a lost and dying world. And God will use everything about you. Everything. Your personality, your physical looks, everything. Yeah, but oh, I need to lose weight. You know what? He'll, he'll use you while you're overweight. He'll use you while you don't have as much muscle on your body. He'll use you when you have a lot of hair. He'll use you when you don't have any hair. I mean, it, he just, everything about you speaks. But your job is to be conscious that my body belongs to him, and I'm going to glorify him in it. I'm not going to use my tongue to speak death over people. I'm not going to go certain places. Where, where do I go? I can't tell you where to go and where not to go, but the Holy Spirit in you will tell you. Right? Because some, some Christians are like, yeah, you should never go to this place. Well... Listen, if I'm driving down the street and God tells me to go in a place, I'll go. Yeah. 
right? I'm going to go wherever he tells me to go, but I'm not going anywhere where the enemy's telling me to go, right? So let's keep going with this. Verse 20, for you are bought with a price. Therefore, glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are his, which are God's. We belong to him. So now, if you look at 2 Corinthians, look at verse, I'm going to read verses 14. Was I, I was in 1 Corinthians, wasn't I? Yeah. yeah, sorry about that. So now go to 2 Corinthians chapter 6. We're going to look at verses 14 through 18 along these lines. What I, what I really need you to see today is that you, in every way, are a vessel you are one with him, and, and you are to walk in his authority. Everything. Look at what it says in verse 14. Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. Don't be unequally yoked. Here's the thing. Here, I'll do a whole series on relationship and marriage. I'll do a whole series on business partnerships. Amen. Amos 3.3, 3, how can two people walk together unless they be agreed? One translation says, how can two people walk together unless they're agreed on the destination? Amen. A lot of times partnerships are become nightmares because one wants this and another wants this. Yes, Marriages. So if you're dating somebody, what are you looking? Am I walking together with them? My wife and I, I mean, we've been together 34 years. We just walk together. We don't deal with all these disagreements. And I mean, listen, I couldn't live with Jeanette if I wasn't all about God. Because that's what she wants. That's, I mean, she's like, listen... We're not going to sit here and watch all this junk. We're not going to go do all this junk. We, I, everything is about the word, right? I mean, sometimes her earbud will fall out. So I'm literally sleeping here in the word because she sleeps and listens to the word all the time, right? I mean, we just walk together. So I guess here's the relationship part of this. So if you're with somebody and they want to go this way, and you want to go this way, don't sit here and go, well, I'll just change her. Or I'll just change him. No, look at that person and go, if they never change, am I willing to live with that? Amen. Right? Say la. What does that have to do with authority? You get unequally yoked, you're not walking in any authority. That was not in my notes. Okay, here we go. <laughs> Be ye not unequally yoked together with unbelievers. For what fellowship does righteousness have with unrighteousness? What communion does light have with darkness? Now, this is, he's making a comparison. What concord or what harmony is in the Greek or what, uh, literally, what agreement does Christ hath Christ with Belial. I love that verse. Belial is a name of Satan. Do you know what the Greek word Belial means? Am I saying that wrong? Belial. Belial. My wife's like, Belial. <laughs> Do you know what the word Belial means in the Greek? Which is the name for Satan? It means worthless. God, God has a name for you. Hey, worthless. I think I'm going to stop calling him Satan, the destroyer. No, worthless. Now I know why he planted the lies of worthlessness with me. He tells a lot of people you're worthless. When it starts when they're little kids. Man, you let your children know that they are not worthless. All right? I love that. Or what part hath he that believeth with an infidel? What, what's an infidel? Someone who does not believe. And what agreement has the temple of God with idols? 
ooh, we're kind of talking about we're the temple, right? What is that, what, is, what agreement does the temple of God have with idols? For you are the temple of the living God, as God hath said, I will dwell in them and walk in them, and I will be their God, and they shall be my people. Wherefore, come out from among them. Why do you come out from among them? Why? See, right now, in the American society, we can't tell the difference. Man, I love going to my church because, gosh, I could go here. Man, you know, I could go out to the same bars my unsaved friends go to. I could even, you know, once in a while, I don't really feel good about it, but I could hook up with some woman. And, you know, I, I just it's, it's all okay. Are you a bad Christian? No, you're an ignorant Christian. You don't know who you are. You're not bad. You just don't know. You've never tasted, so you don't see how good he is. Right? Wherefore, come out from among them and be separate, says the Lord. And touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. And I will be a father to you. And you shall be sons and daughters, says the Lord Almighty. Does that mean that we should have this little club and we don't let anybody in? Oh, I can't be around somebody who does. No, 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 no. We can be in the world, but we are just not to be of the world. Right? So this is so important. Like for me, as I'm a shepherd, I'm an under-shepherd. I've been called on this earth to shepherd the sheep that God brings here into my life. I am a shepherd and I should always smell like sheep. And I go into the world and I'm, and I, I'm always talking to people who don't know God, but I'm not partaking. Well, you know, I really, I just really need to drink so that I can understand. You know, let me just, okay. I know I've never drank, and, but you know, I'm just going to start drinking alcohol, and I'm just going to start forcing myself, like working out. Today, I'm going to have four beers, and tomorrow, I'm going to have eight. Then i got to go to hard liquor, because why? Well, I want to minister to an alcoholic. No, you don't have to be an alcoholic to minister to an alcoholic. You, I don't have to be a meth addict to minister to a meth addict. I don't have to be in the adult entertainment industry to minister to, right? Why? Because the fruit of wisdom makes me be able to be every man's equal. Right? So I come into their life. As a matter of fact, they need me to come into their life like Jesus, not judging them, not looking down on them. Looking at them, I mean, literally, you have the ability to go into anybody's life. I don't care what the world would classify them as and look at them with the eyes of Jesus. And what they see is, wow, I've never been so valued. I've never had anybody value me like this. Because God loves people. And see, this is part of walking in your authority. Hallelujah. That's good preaching. Praise God. I love this. God wants you to realize you are the body of Christ. And, and this is happening. Listen, we work out our own salvation, but you need to go to the Lord and go, okay, is there any behaviors in my life that you're not pleased with? Because if you have blind spots, you won't know. So remember Colossians. Jump over to Colossians. I want to I read some things here. Give us another picture of our authority. Colossians. So is that enough said about the body and the temple? And man, pastor, you almost started meddling there. No, 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 no. Don't, don't come to me. Here, I'll answer every question. Well, should I drink? Should I not? Should I have a tattoo? Should I not? Should I go here or should I not? Here's the answer. Be led. Only you, could, only you can say, and don't tell anybody else what to do. Amen. Oh, that'll shut your flesh up, really. Because we all, to feel better about ourselves, like to help correct other people. But you never feel better about yourself, because there's no anointing. Man, whenever I get out of the anointing, oh my goodness. 
It's just no fun. I jump right back in. So don't send me an email. Don't ask me, Pastor, what do you think? Should, can I do that or should I not? Be led. The Holy Spirit will tell you what specifically you can do and not. And the book of Romans specifically tells you not to take your own preconceived thoughts about what's sin to you and push that off on another believer. We are to live our lives to where we never, never cause another believer to stumble or fall. So that means we don't judge other people, right? Because, man, if you start judging somebody in an area that you think they're messed up in, how do you know that's the area that God, their Lord, is wanting to work in now? Right? Is there things... Why, why am I getting in all this? Is there things in your marriage that you just don't like about your spouse? The God of heaven... The God of heaven wants you to love your spouse and that will put them in the proper environment for God to mold them into the man or woman of God. Right? And don't, here's another thing, don't throw your spouse under the bus with people in the church. No, 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 no. <laughs> Sharina, if there's one person here with a right heart, it is you. If there's another person with a right heart, it's that man sitting right next to you. I mean, they are just on right in the perfect place. But literally, don't throw them under the bus. You won't get my wife to throw me under the bus. Right? She just won't do it. She'll honor me even when I don't deserve it, right? Now, guys, I'm talking to you a little, but in all the history of ministry as a pastor, women lead the way in this. But don't do it, right? I've seen men that all of a sudden they're like, I can't go back to that church because I'm so embarrassed, Right? Because my wife just got, you know, hey, all you women, come over here. Man, you got to help me. My husband is just doing this, and he's doing this, and he's... No, 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 no. Just, you take that to the Lord. You start praying. And, and this is what God will do. He won't start talking to you about what your husband needs to do, or your wife needs to do. He'll start talking to you about what you need to do. I go to the Lord, I'm like, okay. Okay, so this is happening. This is happening with my wife. Is this me? Am I looking at this wrong? Or is this something she needs to change? Do you know in, in 34 years, there's never been one thing where God's going, yeah, you're right, Tony. She needs to change. Nope. If, it's, if, if she needs to change anything, that's between her and the Lord. He will talk to me about what I'm to do. Why don't you go get her flowers? Why don't you, why don't you wash the dishes? Why don't you make, go home and do all her laundry? Right? Make sure she knows, make sure there's gas in her car and her car's clean and that's what he talks about. Tell her how beautiful she is. Tell her how much you love her. But isn't that what God does with you? Right? So this is important. Okay, let's jump back to authority. This is really important with authority though. Colossians chapter 1, 13. Verse 13, do you have it yet? Have you found Colossians 1? Verse 13, literal rendering of this verse. We've talked about it every week so far. Who hath, it's in the Aorus tense, so you could read it like this. Who hath once and for all totally delivered us and removed us out from the authority of the kingdom of darkness and hath transferred us into the kingdom of his dear son. There is not one Christian in this room that is under the delegated authority of Satan. And you can sit here and go, oh no, man, you don't know how I feel or what's going on. No, you're in the kingdom. You're in the kingdom. He has no delegated authority in your life. Let that be a, just a joy in your heart. You're like, whoa, wait a minute. You mean to tell me he can't be messing with me anymore? Yes. Verse 14 
in whom we have redemption. In the literal Greek, it would read like this, in whom, in whom, in him, in Jesus, we possess redemption. We possess, it's the Greek word for redemption is apolutrosis. It means the releasing affected by a payment of a ransom. Our redemption means that a ransom was paid. It was the very life of God. A ransom. And so I have been ransomed and released from Satan's authority and taken out. In whom we possess redemption. We've been released. A payment has been made. You are now free. How, how did that... What was the payment? Through his blood... Even the forgiveness of sins. And, and it's not just, okay, God says, I forgive you. No, it's the Greek word, aphesis. It literally means even the aphesis or the forgiveness of sins. It means even the cancellation and the remission of sins. Your sins are gone. The blood didn't cover them. It washed them away. They are gone. They're, they're, they don't exist anymore. Amen. You will never stand before God and him talk to you about your sin. Because it's gone. Right? Verse, now jump down to verse 21. And you that were sometime alienated and enemies in your mind by wicked works, yet now... Hath he reconciled? This means he brought you back into union. How did he do this? He reconciled you to himself. He brought you back into union. He, this word means he restored you to favor with God. Wow. God the Father restored you to favor with him through his cross. Through redemption. How did he do that? In the body of his flesh through death. All of your sin, all of the sin nature that was you, was once and for all paid for in the body of Jesus. Once and for all. Wow, that's good. To present you. Why did God do that? So that he could present you right now holy, unblameable, and unreprovable in his sight. Do you realize as you're sitting here today, you, because of what Jesus did for you, you are unblameable. You can't be blamed anymore. Wow. You are holy holy. You are unreprovable. This word unreprovable, it literally means not merely unaccusable. I mean, it goes beyond unaccusable. You can't be accused. But literally, it means you are unaccused. You can never be accused because you are unaccused, because there is nothing to accuse you. All of it was, all of it's gone. <clears throat> Have you ever felt guilt or shame yeah. or condemnation? Yeah. Right? Do you know that's just because of an unrighteous behavior that you did? But your nature never changed. And if you'll simply go to the Lord and confess that, that fellowship will be restored. But that sin's already been paid for. Your, this word unreprovable means free from any legal charge. You can't be charged. Now jump down to verse 25. Colossians 1.25. Whereof, or you could say that, the King James is a little vague with the whereof, I am made a minister. This word, I, I, am, I am made, it means I became a minister. Paul is talking here. I became a minister 
according to the dispensation of God, which is given to me for you. So, so Paul had been given this ministry. What was the ministry? To fulfill the word of God. Well, wow, that's kind of a big ministry. This word fulfill means to complete the deficiency of the word of God. God gave Paul this, what we call the Pauline revelation, to complete the deficiency that had not been seen yet in the word of God. In other words, now, now, with the New Testament, with the epistles, the word of God is complete. Never to be added to, never to be taken away from anymore. Right? Now he's going to explain this. Even the mystery which has been hid from ages and from generations, but now is manifest to his saints. In other words, because Paul's ministry, he was given this Pauline revelation so that now we can know the mystery. Verse 27, to whom God would make known what is the riches of the glory of this mystery among the Gentiles. What is the mystery? It is Christ in you. And because he's in you, you now have a hope or a confident, joyous expectation that you will see and experience the very glory of God coming out of your life. The mystery, it's been hid from generations, but it's been revealed to us in these last days. Why do we have authority? We are not only seated with Christ, but Christ is in us. See, that changes the way you live. When you realize everywhere you go, Christ is in you. You can't, you're one spirit with him. When Satan messes with you or your family, he's messing with God. Wow. So now, as good as that is, go over to John, 1 John. 1 John chapter 4. Are you enjoying the fire? This isn't even a fire hose today. This is just a wide open fire hydrant. When I was a kid in Chicago, they used to open up the fire hydrants. I think back now, I'm like, I'm sure they probably had to block a street off, maybe, but I remember cars. We'd go out there. Do you remember that? Yeah. I'm thinking cars coming down the street. We're out there playing in the fire hydrant, man. There's water, you know, thinking you get up close and it blows you away, and you think that's fun. But this, that's, what, that's what it's like sitting here today, isn't it? I could feel that. Some of you guys are going, okay, I give up. I'm no longer taking notes. No, take the notes. It's kind of like, but, uh, 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 and then go back and listen again and fill it all in. It's just awesome. You'll get more later. 1 John chapter 4, verse 4. You are of God, little children. And have overcome them. Why? Because greater, greater, greater is he that is in you than he that is in the world. You carry the greater one in you. Wow. See, the power in us is greater because of the power that backs the authority is greater than the power of our enemy. He, has, he is powerless. He just is the deceiver. Authority, see, think of authority. Authority is delegated power. God himself is the power behind our delegated authority. So the same power that raised Jesus from the dead, the same power that said light be, can come out of your mouth when you say in the name of Jesus. Cancer, you have to go. Body, amend. Finances, come in. I did, this is not my opinion. This is Bible. 
The believer who understands that the power of God is backing him, I mean, when you realize that, you can exercise your authority and you will always face the enemy fearlessly. You won't be afraid of anything that comes in your life. Because when you understand the power, see, what is that Ephesians prayer? Oh Lord, grant me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of you. Ephesians chapter 1, so that the eyes of my understanding would be flooded with light and I would know that I know that I know your plan for my life, that I know the incredible riches that you've given me as your child, that I would know the incredible power that is pointed at my life as I walk believing your word. There is a huge difference I'll say this again because this is where I typed it in my notes. There is a huge, huge, huge difference than what is, of what has happened in you compared to what might be happening on the outside. What's happened in you is way beyond what could ever happen on the outside against you. So rejoice. Today is your day of freedom. We are free. I'm telling you, you can change everything in your life if you'll simply believe that. I love this word, Brother Hagen, Kenneth Hagen. You know, Pastor Hagen, his son has been here, but Brother Hagen, he years and years ago had a prophetic word. Every time I read this, it just, it, it just wrecks me in a positive way. He said this under the inspiration of the Holy Ghost. He said, power on earth invested in the name of Jesus Christ and obtained by him through his overcoming the enemy belongs to the church. Therefore, exercise that authority for it belongs to you on the earth. And in this life, you shall reign by Jesus Christ. That just says it all right there. Power on earth invested in the name of Jesus Christ and obtained by him through his overcoming the enemy belongs to the church. Therefore, exercise that authority for it belongs to you on the earth. And in this life, you will reign. That means to have full and superior dominion by Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Well, we're ready for Romans chapter 5. Go to Romans chapter 5, verse 17. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. We're doing good, just a little bit more. Romans 5, verse 17, we touched on this last time. I want to touch on it again. It says, For if by one man's offense, talking about Adam, death reigned by, by one, much more they which receive... This means to take hold of and continue in the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness shall reign in life. will have full and superior dominion in the Zoe life of God by one Jesus Christ. See, once you begin to become aware that you've been made righteous, you've been made the very righteousness of Almighty God, in Christ, now you will be able to reign as a king in life. That's how you do it. You've got to realize you've been made righteous. Then you also have to pick up and receive the abundance of grace. That's the Greek word charis. It means the divine influence on the heart and its reflection out of your life. God puts grace in you to get glory out of you. The grace of God comes in me, the glory comes out. The, by the grace of God, my body is healed, and my body being healed will produce glory on the outside that will bear fruit in other people's lives. Hallelujah. Grace is a source of power that produces inward strength. It comes right from God. The grace of God is his very ability. It's God doing for you what you can never do for yourself. 
So in other words, grace is a divine deposit of the very ability of God that comes into a person that will produce outward manifestations of God's ability. God will empower you inwardly by his grace so that you could walk outwardly in his ability. I wonder if God could step into your life right now how your life would change. He did. Right now, that's where you are. Wow. So now you are, you are in verse 17. Look at Romans 5, 12. Look at what it says here. Wherefore, as by one man, Adam, sin entered into the world and death by sin, and so death passed upon all men, for all have sinned. Right? So what's examples of death? Sickness, disease, despair, anxiety, depression, fear, poverty, lack. Now jump back to Romans chapter 4 in verse 25, talking about Jesus who was delivered for our offenses and was raised again for our justification. He was delivered for our offenses, literally would say, and was raised when we were justified. Declared righteous is what justified means. Wow. Romans chapter 5, verse 1 and 2. Look at what it says. Therefore, being, or literally in the Greek it would say, therefore, having been justified, by faith, we now have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Verse 2, by whom also we have access by faith into this grace, wherein we stand and rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Faith is for the purpose of taking possession of the grace. Wow. Romans 5.21, let me read this one to you. That as sin hath reigned unto death, even so might grace reign through righteousness unto eternal life by Jesus Christ our Lord. Wow. Wow. Grace reigns through righteousness unto eternal life. And here's the cool thing. I've read all these things kind of fast, right? You're kind of going, wow, i got to keep all this together. I read it fast on purpose because you don't have to understand it to walk in it. You just have to believe it. And when you believe it, see, you make a choice to believe, and as you believe and you step out of that boat, you will come to a place of knowing as you walk it out. The Holy Spirit will just help you. He's our helper. So I'm going to finish with Romans chapter 8. You guys know Romans chapter 8. It's the victory chapter. We all, our flesh loves Romans chapter 7, right? Oh, the thing I don't want to do, I do. The thing that I want to do, I don't do. Who in the world is going to deliver me from this death? But, but, then, but then we kind of read over the last verse. Who's going to deliver me from this death? And then Paul answers the question. We've been delivered by Jesus Christ from this nonsense. You could get off this roller coaster, the thing I don't do, I do, the thing I should do, I don't do. Who's going to deliver me? You've been delivered. And now, Romans 8, 1. Because you've been delivered, there is therefore now no condemnation. No condemnation to those which be in Christ Jesus. Wow. No condemnation. No this word condemnation means no penalty. No sentence. No verdict. No more passing of a sentence of judgment against you. If you've ever went to court, if you've ever went before a judge, that is not fun. Right? I mean, standing there, okay, you might get off with 30 days, right, with something on your ankle, or you might go to prison for 20 years, and you're standing before a judge going, there is no more judge for you. There is therefore now no condemnation. 
The God of the universe has looked at you and said, you're free, you're innocent, you're unblameable, you're unaccusable, so now be free to just walk with me in life. Wow. See, this Romans 8.1 is telling us very clearly that the law of sin and death could never be broken off our life by our behavior. So stop, stop focusing on behavior and start focusing on what, what God's word says about you and you learn who you are and you'll walk free in your behavior. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, hang with me, it's, we're almost done here, but this is big. For the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made me free from the law of sin and death. I'm no longer under the law of sin, of de- sin and death. The law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, has made me free. See, the law of the spirit of life, which is in Christ Jesus, that is the law of love. It's the very nature of God. What flows out of that law is faith. Faith works by love, and it enables you to lay hold. Faith enables you to lay hold of all the blessing of God that he's given you by his grace. Because of that, it's the law of the spirit of life that's in Christ Jesus now has made you free from the law of sin and death. The law of sin, of de- and, sin and death is this. It's the very nature of your enemy. It's selfishness and self-centeredness. Every time you're concerned about yourself, you're operating in the law of sin and death. So have an argument this afternoon. Guess what? You don't ever win an argument. You, you literally step into death because you're concerned about yourself. Right? Because what comes out of that? The law of sin and death, selfishness, self-centeredness, what comes out of that is fear. And fear enables Satan, it opens the door for him to come in and steal, kill, and destroy. Right? This is, this is big. Verse 3, I'm going to close with this. For what the law could not do in that it was weak through the flesh. The law could not bring life to us because our flesh, we could never keep it. Everybody messed it up. God had to send his son in the likeness of sinful flesh. And then look at this. And for sin... In the literal Greek, it would read this way, and as a substitute for sin, God literally condemned once and for all sin in the flesh of Jesus. Wow. See, the law that brought me into salvation makes me free from the law of sin and death. All of my sin was once and for all condemned in the body of Christ. Now, there is no condemnation for me, Because he's in me. We're free, guys. You are free to walk in the authority that God has given you. This is Bible. I want to encourage you, you can't listen to these messages enough. Because this will enable you to walk through life and lay hold of the life that God has for you. Amen?